Despite Worm's sensitivity and intuition for the emotional world, I remained his lifeline to our family and friends. Moments after our umbilical cords were severed and left entangled in the hazardous waste bin, imaginary tubes sprouted from the glistening Rubicon knots and reached for the other across the aisle of incubators. Each time the pediatric nurse strolled between us, Worm's metaphysical womb thickened and inured around him, and I enjoyed my first wafting intoxication of perfume. We could have lingered there for an eternity of innocent idleness. We could have drifted in a blind, blanketed haze, remaining as identical as our DNA and fingerprints. But time, as it has a tendency to do, intervened. We grew older, me and my brother. We found ourselves in the other. We found the other in ourselves. With most polyzygotic children, lines of demarcation are often drawn across every facet of their shared existence. One alleges that green is his favorite color, and the other, reluctantly, adopts blue. The first declares a preference for hot dogs with mustard. The second relishes hamburgers drenched in ketchup. The elder is stricken by an insatiable hunger for consumption, women, wealth, greatness, while the other is gripped by a thirst for philanthropy, generosity, and selflessness. With Worm, the divisions tacitly grew to involve the tactile, the emotional, and the psychological. They crossed seamlessly through worlds and appeared in dreams. Contrasting proclivities were simultaneously spoken and ideated to the degree where nothing remained unclaimed. Communication itself was divided. Language was split at the diphthong, words were ripped from their roots, the very lexicon was pulled until it split in two. My initial appetite for the spoken word left Worm with the written, and while Worm's eloquence and speech inched slowly past his initial stammers, his pen dashed pages averse to incite buzz from teachers grades beyond our years. My own hands, talented on the pitch in the batter's box, were useless when gripping a pencil. Our unspoken selections of preference became the foundation for our greatest strengths and weaknesses. They connected us with the outside world. They provided worm with an alternative to our chimerical umbilical cord. The opportunity, however, to speak on behalf of two people doubled my elocution, leaving my peers and certainly worm in the lurch. It fed the hunger inside me as I now was armed with a powerful weapon, Quickly I learned that nothing was impossible, irrevocable, or unforgivable, if worded correctly. A boy two years my elder lost an incisor shortly after inquiring if my brother, quote, was a retard. And when the playground aides pulled me off him to march me to the principal's office, so began my exhortation, which left them sympathetic and silent. In the end, nothing was spoken to the principal, my mom or Eli, and somehow I earned a stick of gum from one aide and the nickname Guardian Angel from the other. By the age of eight, I'd honed its edge, whetted my skill, and routinely coaxed peers and adults alike out of prized possessions solely because I could. While my physical prowess matched my verbal, and commonly I'd use either to attain my desires, I found much greater pleasure resting things with my tongue than my fist. In reflection, my youth was dedicated in its entirety to getting what I wanted. That and taking care of Worm.